United States of Lead is an informative podcast that may contain sensitive material and the occasional F-bomb. Listener discretion is advised. United States of Lead, a podcast about crime, mental decline, and the history of lead poisoning. This week, we are going to touch on something that Paul actually sent me via TikTok. And I'm not sure if you, I don't remember when you sent this, but it's the Franklin Expedition. Yeah, I remember sending that. So let's start with the history of it. Quote, Franklin's Lost Expedition was a failed British voyage of Arctic exploration, which was led by Captain Sir John Franklin, and it departed from England in 1845 with two ships, the HMS Erebus and the HMS Terror, which, okay, going to name your ship Terror, like you're kind of setting yourself up for something to go bad. And it well, was, what was, what is the Erebus? I'm looking it up right now. That's not good either. Oh, what does Erebus mean? Erebus is one of the primordial beings in Greek mythology, son of, it's the son of chaos. Oh, cool. Was also the mother... <laughs> Was also the mother of Erebus' wife, Nyx, or Knight. So, yeah. They really set themselves up for success. That's like, you know, naming your kid Dr. Evil. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> why? How'd they become a supervillain? That's so weird. <laughs> so weird. It's and... also some kind of smoothie product. Chocolate, decaf, and bold. Wait, like... People... Oh, it's a, a coffee a... product. It's a coffee product. Oh, I just not like at, a smoothie shop? No, popped up in like the Google images when I Googled it. And uh, so I guess people use this. I mean, even though it's as an ominous Well, history. I think they're like me and they just don't know. I'm like, oh, Erebus, that sounds cool. <laughs> their ship's chaos and terror. Son of chaos, yeah. Or I'm sorry, their ship's son of chaos and terror. <laughs> We're assigned to travel certain sections of the Northwest Passage in the Canadian Arctic. And it was to record magnetic data to help determine whether a better understanding could aid navigation, which also kind of gives me Bermuda Triangle vibes. So the expedition was met with disaster after both ships and their crews, which was a total of 129 officers and men, became icebound in the Victoria Strait near King William Island, which is now today, oh dear Lord, Canadian territory of Nunavut? I don't know. we'll, We'll just say Nunavut. Anyways, (laughs) after being icebound for more than a year, that's insane, both Son of Chaos, Erebus, 
and terror were abandoned in April 1848, by which point Franklin and nearly two dozen others had died. So the survivors, because apparently there were survivors, now led by Franklin's second in command. So the two captains of these ships that were icebound for over a year with the survivors supposedly set out for the Canadian mainland, but they disappeared, which presumably they had perished. So there were pressures by Franklin's wife, Jane, and others to launch a search for the missing expedition in 1848. That's crazy. Yeah, so they departed in 1845, and then his wife, Jane, three years later is like, uh, I feel like he should be back by now. I don't know. I would just assume they were lost. I mean, after yeah. you're just going to send out another ship and find it. You sent out the ship into the unknown, two ships into the unknown. I, I don't know. Well, I would then think, think about that. Is there a timeline? You know what I mean? Like now we know when we're, you know, like, let's say I drive to Minneapolis. Well, I should be there within four, four and a half hours. If I'm not there, you'd be concerned type of thing. Did they have that kind of time frame for shipping expeditions? I I don't know, but I do know that they were looking for something they didn't know if it existed or not. So it's yeah. like, I mean, is there a time frame from here to Minneapolis or Minneapolis to central Wisconsin? Sure. Yeah. But I don't know like, what the time frame is from here to the yeah, ninth did dimension. Did they know a time? Yeah. Did they know a time frame? <laughs> Was that even a thing? Like, did anybody else do this before them? It's not like launching, like sending a, a squad car out to like check on your uncle. It's yeah. you're sending... Like there, there are no roads. There are no. no. There's okay. And it's a distance. It's a distance. So and they yeah. also through the Canadian Arctic, which can't be the most ideal. You know, somebody's like, yeah, I'll go look for them. You're <laughs> sending an expedition out for a lost expedition. It does yes. not sound cheap. No, no, that no, not so much. So yeah, his wife and Franklin's wife and. Others had launched this search expedition in 1848. And then also there were other subsequent searches in the decades afterwards. And several artifacts from the expedition were discovered, including the remains of two men, which were returned to Britain. They didn't find them and kept searching, which is also pretty impressive. So this was like the whole thing is impressive. Yeah. (laughs) I would not have guessed that. Yeah. A lot of this stuff. So maybe these people that they found is that, are these the people from the TikTok? I think it shows a the discovery of the graves. I'm not sure. Just throwing that out there. We'll find out. Despite that expedition being a failure, it did succeed in exploring the vicinity of what was one of the many Northwest passages to eventually be discovered. Oh, I've heard of this guy. So Robert McClure led one of the expeditions that investigated the fate of Franklin's expedition, a voyage which was also beset by great challenges and later controversies. The Northwest Passage was not navigated by boat until 1906. Mm. So clearly they found that this was not really a good idea <laughs> by all these other subsequent yeah. it, Like I told you, it's giving me Bermuda Triangle vibes where people are like, oh, we got to go find that boat. And then that boat disappears. And it's like, we got to go find that boat. And then another one <laughs> disappears. It's like, maybe you should stop looking for the boat. But anyways, so just some background here. The reason that they were so insistent on finding this passage is, quote, the search by Europeans for a Western shortcut by sea from Europe to Asia began with the voyages of Portuguese and Spanish explorers. Oh, cool. Christopher Columbus was one of them. Douche. True. (laughs) Facts. Did you watch John Oliver where they bring up people talking about how Christopher Columbus wasn't that bad of a guy? Whereas the montage of people being like, he couldn't have been that bad of a guy. 
I don't think I have seen that. It's either not last week's, but the week before or the week before that. But yeah, it's like a whole montage of the, uh, these dudes. Feel, well, he couldn't have been that bad of a guy. I mean, he was too busy him. enslaving whole islands to like. And then one woman goes, well, when you put it in historical context, he really <laughs> was <laughs> he really wasn't that bad. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. By the mid-19th century, numerous exploratory expeditions had been mounted, originating mainly from the Kingdom of England. And these voyages, when successful, added to the sum of European geographic knowledge about the Western Hemisphere, particularly North America. As that knowledge grew, exploration gradually shifted towards the Arctic. So they kind of are setting themselves up for disaster. But When you started this, I didn't know, I mean, I actually didn't know anyone had ever quote-unquote discovered a northwest passage mm -hmm. and it sounded like you were saying that there was a passage that was discovered or so several passages discovered around 19 the beginning of the 20th century mm -hmm. um were they discovered or like created because they kept hitting you know what i mean like it keeps saying how they kept being icebound i'm just learning about this so i don't know but like yeah no other cultures would have used this i mean no one would, would try to do this except for Western colonial powers. I mean, <laughs> exactly. It's, it'd really be like, this feels like it could be a really good drunk history in that context. And like just having people native to like Inuit natives, like watching this and just be like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like I'm just like in this constant, like ramming to get where they want to be. So anyways, Lady Franklin, who is name is Jane, as well as members of parliament and British newspaper, had urged for these search parties. Although the Admiralty said it did not feel any reason to be alarmed, it responded by developing a three-pronged plan, which in the spring of 1848 sent an overland rescue party, which was led by John Richardson and John Ray down the Mackenzie River to the Canadian Arctic coast. This would probably help if we like knew some geography, but I'm not, I'm not spending that much time doing that. So they searched and they searched and they searched and they eventually, like I said, find those two bodies. Now, history today goes a little bit deeper into the surviving crew. So we say that those two captains, along with the surviving crew, try to go and find land. Before they do that, it's noted that supposedly Franklin and 23 other members had died. So 129 minus 24 is uh, 105. 20, yeah. Okay, so 105, that's a lot of fucking people walking across ice. So they abandoned- It's a big the, group of people. <laughs> just walking on ice. So abandoned the HMS Erebus and Terror for a march across the ice. Subsequent search expeditions discovered abandoned equipment, clothing, and some human remains, but without finding either the majority of the crew or an explanation for the disaster. So it's like these little breadcrumbs mm -hmm. are being left- now, what's interesting about this is, quote, dramatic evidence that lead poisoning was a key element in the failure of Sir John Franklin's Arctic expedition has come from the result of postmortems conducted on the preserved bodies of three of Franklin's crew members. And I think that's who you're talking about in the TikTok. Taken from their frozen graves on the beachy island in the Canadian Arctic. Hmm. So in 1984, fast forward quite a bit. Dr. Owen Beatty, a Canadian anthropologist from the University of Alberta, 
exhumed the body of John Torrington, who was the first of Franklin's crew to die from the grave where he had been buried by his shipmates in January 1846. The 20-year-old sailor had been almost perfectly preserved on the icy ground. And there's a book that's published that tells how postmortems carried out on hair, bone, and soft tissue from the bodies that were found reveal lead concentrations up to 20 times more than normal. And those levels that would have resulted in acute lead poisoning. I want to bring up the hair again, because now we have, was it, it was Beethoven, they did the hair or was it Bach? Now I can't remember. I don't remember who it was, but it, uh, One of the bees. after however many hundreds of years, people were yes. able to find. Find the lead. Yeah. So I, I really want to look at the different levels of concentration in hair versus blood. And don't you think it'd be easier to just do a hair test then? I find that strange that we don't do hair tests. What's the difference? I don't know. You know, I, um, it, I, you know, of course, it's always strange that they don't do the tests that we should be doing. And um, yeah. Now, what this said too, though, is there there were graves. Even though they were stranded, they still did their burial ceremonies. And at this point, when the first people started dying. From what I hear, you have to do that when you're stranded and stuff. Like you, you have to go out of your way to maintain order and normalcy. Otherwise, you just lose your mind. Yeah. Now, they've discovered, all right, this guy definitely had lead poisoning. Again, 20 times more than normal. And this is 1987 that this was published. Okay. So normal was definitely over 10. Sure. That's a good point. You know what I mean? Because it's changed over time. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Because no amount of lead is safe. Just Mm -hmm. remember Anyway, so the results tally with other findings from the skeletal remains of one of Franklin's crew found on King William Island in 1981 and with tests carried out on cans of tinned food collected on Beachy Island. The technology of tinned preserved foods was still relatively new at the time of the expedition, and the patent for tin containers was taken out in England in 1811. Some of the side seams of the Beachy samples were incompletely sealed, end quote. Okay, now documentation of the original contract at Deptford in April 1845 reveals that the order for the tins was rushed and strengthens the view that there was a significant portion of the expedition supply that was contaminated. Mm -hmm. You know, that makes me just think too of all the regulations, rollbacks with stuff and cutting corners. Yeah. Yeah, you know, just with what we said from, what was it, 2018, that's when the tin the baby food jars, all that stuff. And there's also that correlation then to President Trump and the rollbacks that he offered for those certain things. Um, but yeah, I just find it interesting that, okay, they, this was happening in 1800, 1811. We still haven't kind of learned our lesson. Yeah. <laughs> this is up from History Today and they have actually a reward poster. Okay. And it's $20,000 or wait, pounds, not dollars, reward if you find the ships. So then it almost became like a treasure, huh? Yeah. (laughs) And they had a breakdown of the money you would get. So first you'd get the 20,000 pounds if any party or parties who in the judgment of the board find the ships. So if you find both the ships and then there's a reward if you find any actual crew members And then a smaller reward shall be by virtue of his, of their efforts first succeeded in asserting their fate. So they had like a breakdown of 
rewards to just try and figure this out. Like they were really desperate to figure it out. Authors of a book that they cite in this article, which will be linked, they speculate that the regular consumption of the tinned food, which was considered a luxury item by the officers, played a fatal role in the mental and physical decline of the expedition. So that canned food was saved for the higher ups, the ones who were making decisions. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. It says nine of the 20 deaths prior to April were officers, including that of Franklin. And so they were the first to go. Insidious ingestion of lead weakened its members to a point where tuberculosis and pneumonia wreaked havoc, conditions identified by the postmortem on the beachy island bodies. Anorexia, weakness, and paranoia, which we have mentioned paranoia, would have compounded the effects of starvation and scurvy leading to the final horrors of cannibalism. And I'm going to end that quote there. This just made me think, we haven't gotten to this yet, but there was a study that I found on a connection like with COVID and lead poisoning and people getting sicker who have elevated lead. And I just thought of that point where it says that the lead weakened them, making them susceptible to tuberculosis, more susceptible to tuberculosis and pneumonia. Sure. I never would have thought about that before, but linking, you know, like, let's say somebody who's getting sick all the time, like that their immune system's already weakened and you just don't realize it. Yeah. If you're surrounded by like lead paint and lead in your homes or whatever, and why wouldn't you get sick more often Mm -hmm. and be susceptible to greater harm when you do get sick? It's awful. I know. And so now the person who did the test on the skeletal remains, (laughs) this is crazy, discovered that the bodies found on King William Island indicated that the body had been deliberately dismembered, bone marrow removed, and what were identified as knife marks were visible on scattered bones from the arms and the legs. They clearly let that psychosis get the best. (laughs) Now, it makes me wonder, too, like that paranoia. I was thinking of uh, Cannibal the Musical. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, such a great movie. Such Um, a great movie. Excellent DVD. Wonderful commentary. Oh, the commentary. That's so good. (laughs) They go to a strip club. They go to a strip club and then they come back. That's right. That's right. Oh, my God. That that, we have to revisit that. That is so fucking brilliant. I forgot they go to. We'll be back. Anyways. um... (laughs) Legend. Absolute legends. Oh. Oh, my God. Actually, so. This is off topic, but Attorney General Garland had that press release and I was like, I'm like, I clearly got to watch it. And I think it's the director of the FBI comes forward. Okay. He uses the term Team America. Oh my God. I just could not handle it. She literally says Team America. How do you not know about that? Or did somebody who wrote these notes have almost just sneak like it a, in. a Freudian slip almost? <laughs> Clearly, if the bone marrow is missing, you know that they were eating it. Oh, sure. Why would the bone marrow be missing from the bodies? Supposedly, there were early tales of natives of the area to the search party telling them about this insane stuff happening. But people like Charles Dickens denounced it as slander, like that somehow these natives were trying to make the English Navy look bad. Like they gave any fucks about trying to make the English Navy look bad. There's a high degree of like delusional thinking. This is from the, you know, from the uh, uh, TikTok. I don't know 
how it came out, but they were talking about how they were saving the furniture <laughs> more than they were protecting their food stocks. And then I'm, I'm just looking at something here saying that the ship also carried libraries of more than a thousand books. That's it's like, insane. There's only so much room on a ship. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, you know, we really, this, you know, what we really need, we need some old French literature. That's what we need. We need yeah. hundreds of pages of French literature. So now this is where it's like the, you know, what came first, because no matter what, most experts believe that what killed them were the results of pneumonia and tuberculosis and other diseases, and apparently including Pott's disease, which is tuberculosis of the spine. Okay. okay. However, I'd like to go back to the focus of who was eating the lead poisoned cans. Now, sure. if you have the theory of like, oh, they just, you know, they hit, hit ice and desperation got the best of them, whatever. But then when you focus on, say you do get stranded and the people who are supposed to be leading you are full of lead poison paranoia mm -hmm. and you know, clearly can't think straight, probably some uncontrollable anger in there too. You can have, you know, the weakness of limbs and all that other symptoms that go along with it. And then you, let's say you have people who aren't as poisoned, like probably this person who they murdered first going, hey, what if we did this instead? And then you have one of the officers like lose their fucking shit on this person and kill them. You know, like that's how I see this going is that the people who are in charge are absolutely fucking mad, not angry, but crazy. <laughs> Actually both. And other people who aren't, maybe try to set things straight. Isn't that kind of how the Donner Party, or wait, was it the Donner Party? Isn't that what Cannibal Musical is? What, is it about the Donner Party? I thought, isn't it? I can't remember. I don't know if there's more than one cannibal story over there, but the Donner Party definitely is a cannibal tale. Yes. Okay. It's the true story of Alfred Packer. Yeah, so it's different. The sort of detail, yes. Alfred Packer from Colorado Territory. They kept saying that. Oh yeah. So apparently, I, I think I remember in the commentary that they were t they mention that this is just something that everyone from their region knows. Everyone knows the story of the fact though. If there's Alfred the Packer, Packer party and then the Donner party, what was the time difference? When was the Packer party? Uh. When did they set? Alfred Packer. I'm gonna click on it. It says that he died in. 1907. Oh, so he was way after. Okay, because the Donner Party's from like. So, this, so the cannibalism is 1874. He confessed okay, to cannibalism so, during the winter of 1874. So that's even more crazy because the Donner Party's cannibalism is from 1846, 1847. Uh, cannibalism. I wonder if they had canned goods. Moby Dick, real story. Oh, I forgot. The Essex party. So like the story that the Moby Dick is based on, yeah, they all ended up having to eat crew members. That's where like that notion of you got to behave yourself when you're cannibalizing. It's from learning about this story. Because apparently when they did in the Essex, the tale or the story, the true life tale of how that Moby Dick is based on, they drew lots so that someone would be the person that cut off the hands and the feet before they put it in the stew so that no one saw like this human remnant like because they is knew that... like if you were eating and you saw this a hand took such a turn oh well that's what it is it's tangent city every time we do this without 
I think all this is teaching us is that I really need to write notes. (laughs) (laughs) Warning, you're entering a no script zone. Whoops. (laughs) They find these bodies and clearly, you know, some shit went down. So like I said, it's trying to figure out the what came first. And I'm going with the theory because if the canned food was only for the higher ups, the higher ups are making the decisions. This actually, God, I need to find the case that Amanda did because this happened on a different expedition where there was a crew uprising. Okay. And But this was somewhere Southern. It had nothing to do with like the Arctic and ice and stuff like that. But it was almost like that same vibe though of people being like, holy shit, these people are crazy. Like we need to do something. And the people in charge being like, absolutely not, you know, but also being completely like having lost their minds. I think that it's just another gentle reminder <laughs> That we should not have lead in canned goods. And like we said, that 2018 study that showed the amount of canned food that had elevated levels was kind of crazy. I'm looking at something here about the canning process for the Franklin expedition. It says the tinned food was supplied from a provisioner, Stephen Golden, who was awarded the contract on April 1, 1845, April Fool's. A mere seven weeks before Franklin set sail. Oh, that's Golden, definitely rushed. Golden worked <laughs> frantically on the large oh order God, no. of 8,000 tins. The Stop haste it. required affected the quality control of some of the tins, which were later found to have lead soldering. We still Thick, do that. <laughs> I, this is like summing up. I don't know how oh. many episodes we've done, but this is like 80% of the episodes. If you just watch, <laughs> if you just listen to this episode... <laughs> Someone rushing a process with yes. tools they shouldn't be using in oh a process that is poorly controlled. The soldering was thick and sloppily done and dripped <laughs> like melted candle wax down the <laughs> inside surface. <laughs> oh my God. All those artichokes or I don't know, whatever you put in cans in the oh 1840s, freaking uh, salmons and, and uh, turnips. I don't know. All that stuff was. I just pictured beans. Beans. Lots of beans. Beans beans and lead. Mm. (laughs) Good Lord. Someone probably cut some corners and used this Goldner. The Goldner rule. And then Goldner was like, oh, I I can do this. I can get this done. I need this order. They took the order and then they said, like, I don't care. This is the biggest thing we've had. We need to get this out in... Seven. I want to know what happened to that guy's business. And now he is Del Monte Canned Foods or yes, something. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Changed his name to P&G. What happened to the... Where did you find that? Because I want to look him up. Where is it? Uh, it's, it's from the Wikipedia page. What was his name again? Stephen Goldner. I have to know if... Oh, he like almost ruined tin cans. <laughs> <laughs> his cans on display they have it gross so at the royal museums of greenwich they have an opened goldner meat tin wow but then they have other ones like a bbc article about him that's the one that says the story of how the tin can nearly wasn't (laughs) oh my oh my god look at these cans okay i'm gonna add this to the sources Insane. Okay, so like we think of tin cans now. Just look at the, go to the BBC article and just look at that can. It looks like how we were talking about making pewter stuff in school. Oh, no, dog. No, no, (laughs) 
No. So amazing. Oh my god. That can cannot. I'll tell well, you that. That can I, is <laughs> is not canning. I'll tell you, no. Absolutely well, not. Me, I think we're gonna end up having to look at this guy like separately because this article is very detailed about it. <laughs> As it should be. This is <laughs> anyways, that's our uh, episode. <laughs> best episode ever this is awesome franklin expedition lost expedition cannibalism psychosis paranoia a lack of quality control (laughs) yes at every step in the process it all came down to someone not being regulated using lead so thanks for tuning in we'll talk to you guys next week thanks everybody thank you for tuning in to united states of lead hosted by andrea elizabeth and paul kramer Just a quick disclaimer, Andrea and Paul are not experts in lead poisoning. We do ask that you check our sources and read up a little bit more on your own. Thanks again for listening.